Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the host of the More to Be podcast. I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. So today, I'm so excited, we're going to get to chat with Katie Reed. I've gotten to know her through my writing journey. She's a fellow author, has a wonderful book out called Made Like Martha, Good News for the Woman Who Gets Things Done. So she is my sister. (laughs) She knows how to get things done, and I'm excited that Katie is here because she understands that pressure, but has discovered how to walk out her faith with the good news as her guide. Katie is an avid writer, speaker, devoted wife of a youth pastor and a homeschooling mama. You can find Katie at katiemreed.com. So welcome, Katie. Thank you for being here with us today. Well, thanks so much um, again for having me. It's a pleasure to talk with you, fellow Martha. And so I am the oldest of four kids, firstborn girl, strong-willed, you know, some might say bossy. I say, you know, I like to manage people and inspire them to action. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, But my dad tells the story of when I was in the hospital nursery, you know, just born. I would start screaming, crying, and then everyone would. So it was this beautiful foreshadowing of what my personality, you know, would be like. Yeah. And um, so my husband is also a firstborn, which that's not supposed to work out so well, like if you read, you know, the birth order book or some other things. But thankfully, I mean, he is strong-willed. We're both a little stubborn, but he is a go-with-the-flow kind of Mr. Steady. And so I joke with people. I said, you know, I would have had a lot a lot more fights in my marriage if Adam would just um, stoop to my level, (laughs) but but he won't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we do argue sometimes, but we'd have much more if he and I, you know, were more alike, but he is more laid back, which helps me unwind. You know, I'm still uptight, but I've, I've come a long way (laughs) um, with, you know, maybe not sweating all the stuff. Okay. Um, but we have five kids, and so obviously we have a firstborn, you know, our girl. But then after her, we had a boy. So, you know, he's the first boy, so he's kind of like a firstborn. Then we had another boy, so he's he ended up being kind of our true middle child. Then five years later, we adopted a boy. Oh. So he's kind of like another firstborn because we have kind of this, you know, younger yeah. kids, older kids. And then we had a daughter. And so she's another girl. So it's like we're my poor middle son. I mean, he holds his own, but he is surrounded by these firstborn types of people. So he's going to make a great spouse someday if that's mm-hmm. what God has for his plan. He's he's adaptable. That is awesome. It's funny how you, you see the birth order playing into the whole personality piece. It does make a difference. I'm also firstborn. And Thank God Stephen is not. He's last and has been used to being bossed around. So he does hit his limit, and his limit has been part of what God has used to transform me. So I'm grateful he has a limit. Right. Yeah, same here. And, you know, people will kind of get those books for, like, the strong-willed child because they have one, you know, Mm -hmm. that they, like, that one child. I always say, well, we have a house full of them, but maybe... (laughs) Because we're both firstborns, we wouldn't have known how else, you know, we're just yeah. loud, loud family. 
um, strong opinions, but I always say my kids won't be afraid to make doctor's appointments when they grow up. They won't be afraid to advocate for themselves because we're going to channel that determination, you know? Well, it's interesting dynamic because with mine, so Leah is my oldest and firstborn. She's doesn't like things out of order, but she's a very, um, non-conflict oriented. So her like firstborn stuff manifest in, in her own little sphere, but she won't necessarily put it on anybody else. It's interesting. But my Abby, she's my strong willed who makes doctor's appointments, called Securig to tell them to replace the broken thing, finds us the cars, like but I and I sometimes I wonder if it's because although she's second, she's not true middle because my because of the twins. So the twins came four years after Abby and Abby took the position of the oldest in their Uh life. Right. Those two have been insanely bossed around by Abby. Right. (laughs) Yes. So. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you got all this going on in your house. Right. And what are you doing in addition to motherhood, which is a full-time job? Right. uh, What's your husband doing? What has you where you're at? What's your life look like? Well, my husband's a youth pastor, pastor, and he's transitioning to the lead pastor in January. And I always tell people I am not bored. I don't like to be bored, and I am not bored because I also write, speak, do some songwriting, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have always, I have this affinity for Martha because when I in the Bible, it's like I so relate to her, and I. I have gotten frustrated, you know, in Luke 10, 38 through 42, we'll probably talk about a little more later, but that, you know, here she is trying to get all these things done, which both of us, and I'm sure many listening can relate to, and her sister is sitting there, you know, listening to Jesus, which used to drive me crazy. It's like, Mm -hmm. tell her to get up and help, you know, the hot water heater is not working. We need some help around here, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I've always related to her because I got her, you know, same thing with the older brother of the prodigal, Yeah, you know, I totally get him too, you know, of like, Hey, I've been trying to do all the right things here. Yes. You know, I just, I totally get that. That's so interesting because you said that about Martha and her frustration. And I had this flashback. So my mom used to make us go outside and weed and also sweep the curb. Now we lived on a corner of a dead end road that was not like College Point, Queens, which is where my I was when I was born. I mean, it's not these like duplexes with like a space of like 12 feet in front of the house. And if you sweep the street, you're sweeping like 12 feet, right? Or 20 feet. I mean, this is like a quarter acre property. And we used to have to go out and sweep the curb. And my sister would find a hundred things to do not to get out there when we were supposed to go out there. And I felt like, I felt like Martha, I'm out there sweeping the street to be the good girl because my mother told me I'd do it because there were other things I wanted to get done, which I couldn't do until I got that done. And so I'd be doing this diligent work and my sister was like nowhere to be. And I know that, that I still struggle 40 years later, 45 years later with that in my heart and soul when in my own family unit, when they're all watching a football game and I'm, I'm washing the dishes. 
Mm-hmm. And so this, you need to help me here, Katie. This is going to turn into a counseling session because what goes through my head is it is good to rest. It is good to play. It is good to fellowship. It is good to worship God. It's good to read their, your Bible that, you know, they're not schleps sitting on the couch watching the football game. They've just folded all the laundry. They have asked me if there's anything that needs to be done. So why is there bitterness in my heart at the kitchen sink instead of it being my act of worship? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hear you. I okay. hear you. And I think, I think women that are made like Martha, you know, We love our to-do list, but more importantly, we love checking things off it, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, it is very, it's work for me to relax. I I like, I like relaxing, but it's hard work. And it definitely, sometimes I like put it on my to-do list. Like you need to relax because for the most part, I do enjoy work. Not all work. I wouldn't have liked sweeping the curb. No. I didn't like raking all the oak leaves that would be so heavy from the rain in my parents' yard but I love doing creative projects. I mean, I can even lean towards workaholism in sometimes with work because Mm -hmm. that energizes me. But for me, I feel like I can relax when the work is done. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where some people like your sister, my husband can be the same way where he can have a good time anytime. And he he could totally relax and then help get something done. But so we would constantly misfire because I want to hurry up and get everything done. So we could hang out. Yes. Want to hang out. And then by the time I got everything done, he was sound asleep or, yes, you know, and part of it I realized is Martha's are often ultra responsible people, which that's not a bad thing, right? Mm-mm. To want to take care of people. But there's this sneaky shift that happens where we start taking responsibility for things that might not be our responsibility, or we add things on our list that we think have to be done right now. Mm. And they could wait, right? Yes, yes. And the reality is, is our to-do list ever really going to be done? Like we need to learn to be able to rest within while we're doing our list, while we're at the kitchen sink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because life is busy. I mean, we both have large families. Even if you're, you know, single, there's so many opportunities now, you know, for doing things. Like mm-hmm. whatever your circumstances, we live in this busy world. And so I wanted to explore, you know, what does it look like to rest within, to let our souls rest, even while our hands are busy. Um, and obviously rest is important too, mm-hmm. but I think we've, we've kind of been told this message of like, you know, well, Mary was the poster child for getting it right. But if you're made like Martha, you're like, well, if nobody works, nobody eats unless mm-hmm. Jesus is going to ask us to fast or he's going to multiply the loaves and fish, right? Someone yeah. had to cook the meal for the guests. And so I don't think that Jesus was asking Martha to become Mary. Mm. I think he was inviting her to serve from a place of peace instead of striving and angst. That is so good. So I want to share a part of your book that I think totally is going to transition into the scriptures that we're going to study and you, I want to know how, but I want to describe, I want to share what you're writing here because it's so good first off. Um, And it, I think is going to like, at least half our listeners who identify with Martha are going to say, yeah, I get that. And the other half who don't are going to say, now that explains my mother or that explains my sister or that explains my boss because 
if we're not Martha, we're in relationships with Martha. Would you agree? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So you write this in the, in one of the beginning chapters called The Big To-Do. Uh, my worth gets tangled up in my works, so I walk with a spiritual limp. And because I hold myself to the Mary Poppins standard of being practically perfect in every way, I'm often discouraged. I'm worn out from trying to be everything to everyone and fed up with messing up. Capable is my middle name, yet if I'm honest, I'm a few yeses away from falling apart. I'm going to keep reading here because this description is so powerful. The bustle causes shallow breathing. The hustle produces a preoccupation with self. The scurry gives birth to stress. The hurry makes my body ache. Words lash out. All this pushing tires my soul. The proving steals peace. The multitasking overwhelms. The merry-go-round of striving leaves my head spinning and stomach churning. The kids need me. The husband wants me. Work is waiting. Dinner needs planned. The bills need paying. The house needs dusting. Wait, I don't dust or iron. Please, no judging. Something's got to give. I want to be enough, yet I've had enough of this dizzying ride. There must be another way, a better way off this Ferris wheel of fret. I can't bear another lecture or scolding. I'm tired. And the sleep isn't as sweet when I try to carry the world on my shoulders, which ache as my thoughts swirl overhead like a tornado. You got it. I live it. I understand. Are you still living it? Is there not not in the same way? No, not in the same way. And I think what people don't realize if you're if you're more made like Mary or you relate more to a relational person versus like a task and project oriented person, I think sometimes other people in our lives feel like we're just, you know, maybe we're being mean or we're being unrealistic or being demanding. But what I don't think they realize is we're that way with ourselves. Yes. I've told people, you know, like I want to be open to criticism, but I have this inner critic in my head that's constantly telling me what I'm doing wrong. So when someone else says it, I just about fall apart because I'm holding myself to this super high standard and everyone else around me, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I or they don't meet expectations, it just feels like everything's crumbling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that women that are made like Martha, they want to do the right thing. They're hardworking, try-hard girls that they want to please God. They want to please others around them. They also want to, you know, they also want people to like them and, um all the things. And mm-hmm. so I think what some people don't realize is that inner turmoil that's happening, you know, within them that they are striving to be the best at everything, right? Yeah. But apart from Christ, you know, we are not perfect. And so no. it's this constant thing in the birth order book, they talk about, you know, a lot of times firstborns experience this um discouraged perfectionism because they're never going to attain it. So they walk around like they're trying to, they keep trying to, but Mm -hmm. it's not happening, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so what have you done to move into, you know, as your subtitle promises, the good news and not change who you are per se in the good ways that God has made you, but embrace grace Right. Well, I think the first thing is to realize that there wasn't 
something wrong with being like Martha, with being made like her. Jesus pointed out one thing she needed to work on, right? Mm -hmm. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, he said she was worried and distracted by many things, but Mary had chosen the better part. He didn't say Mary is better. Yeah. He said, and that's where we've gotten it wrong. We have added to scripture. He pointed out one thing she needed to work on. He wasn't criticizing the totality of who she was. Mm-mm. And so I think when Martha's realized, like there's a verse, I think it's in John 11, and it says, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And I had overlooked that he loved her. Mm. And so his his correction was because he loved her. It says he disciplines those he loved. Right. So he was pointing out to her, you don't have to, you know, serve from this place of worry and fret. But I don't think he was telling her to stop serving, right? Because mm. faith without works is dead. I think he was inviting her to do it from a different place. So that passage you or the portion from the book you read that speaks to what I call the hired help mentality. It's living like your faith is all up to you, that you are responsible for everything and everyone. And really you're trying to be the savior in people's lives, which is blasphemy as a friend very lovingly pointed out to me. Yes. And so I believe that Martha was living with this hired help mentality in Luke 10 of like, you know, I've got to, earn, you know, approval, whatever it is. And then I believe as we follow her through scripture that she has this transformation Mm -hmm. right before Jesus brings Lazarus, raises Lazarus from the dead and he reveals who he is. He's the resurrection and the life. And I think Martha went from having this hired help mentality to this beloved daughter's mentality, Mm. realizing who God really was and who she was in light of him, Mm. that that he offered grace as a gift to receive, not mm. a prize to be earned. And so many of us are made like Martha have a hard time receiving, don't we? Yes. Like yes. we do for other people, we pour out, but we have a hard time just receiving something with no strings attached. It's like we want to pay back whatever has been done for us. But the message of salvation is we weren't perfect in and of ourselves. We needed a savior. Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross for sins, rose again, and then offered us this gift. Mm. He he paid the, you know, the whole thing, did the biggest to do of all time. It is finished, he said, and then we just had to receive it. And I think many of us that are made like Martha, we know how to be a mother, whether we are biologically or as a mentor or whatever. We know how to mother. We don't often know how to be a daughter because Mm -hmm. a daughter receives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. You're tying into so many things that we've even covered on the podcast just in season two alone. I mean, key words like beloved when we had Jennifer Dukes Lee on and looking at John seeing his identity as the beloved of God. And then uh, we talked about um, not taking on our role as a savior in an episode with Kaylee and and just this idea that we can't save our kids, but we also can't save ourselves. Right. Right. So there's that um, transition. And God has shown me in the last six or six or more months of studying his word that part of the problem in First in John 4, it talks about to know God's love. Um, and and that we we know it, we see God's love through the encountering those who love us. So that our call 
as followers of Christ is to love others so that they can see the love of God manifesting in our lives. And I think that ties in with what you're saying in that you know, me standing at that kitchen sink, I'm not standing there when I'm griping and grumbling as the beloved of God. I'm standing there as that teenage girl who's still trying to earn the approval and love of her parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that end, you know, for me, and I don't think that this is true for everybody all the time, but coming out of an abusive home uh, where there was both um, physical abuse unto me, but there was also emotional abuse that came in the form of withholding love and mm-hmm. withholding conversation and withholding time as a form of abuse uh, that I could look back and see that was my parents' brokenness operating unhealed. Like mm-hmm. never, they never ever intended to hurt me. Right. But their actions led me to move into a intensified need to earn love. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. I think God has used my marriage to my husband and even my relationship with my kids to show me that they love me because I I am me, not because of what I do. Right. Well, and you know, for almost 40 years, I lived like God was this tyrannical master, right? That mm-hmm. I was a slave of, that I had to keep happy yeah. with my behavior. But when you realize he's a good father, yeah, a good heavenly father that doesn't shoo you away, that isn't too busy for you, that, you know, loves you because you're his, right? Not what you do. Then you want to do good works out of thankfulness and a response to that love. You want to honor your dad. You know, some people will say, well, when you get a, if you get a hold of this grace, you know, is this gift you receive, you're just going to go off the deep end because (laughs) you'll just do whatever. But it's like, but when you know how loved you are, you don't want to go and dishonor your father's name. You're just so grateful you belong and that you're loved. You know, this picture God gave me, um, when we get, well, this is reality. When company comes over, I turn into host Zilla before they arrive, <laughs> you know, making orders, trying to dust because I don't usually dust, you know, just scrambling, you know, not being very loving to my family. And then, you know, they come like, Oh, we're so glad you're here as if it's all been calm. Right. Well, God gave me this picture in my mind and he reminded me, Katie, I am not company to impress. No, I'm family to enjoy. Yes. And for so long I lived like he was this company to impress. But when, you know, when you're around family that you love, like sometimes you can even put your shoes on the furniture. I mean, they might give you the side eye, but you know, there's yeah. this ease, there's this deep breath of like, I belong here. I don't have to be all dialed up. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like there's just that comfortableness and yet there's that honor too. Yes. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So so what I hear you saying, if we're going to answer the question for women who are struggling with the Martha complex, let's call it that, um, the what did you call it? The slave? The, the hired help mentality. The hired help mentality. And I would, slave is probably not an accidental word that came off of my yep. lips because it's bondage to the performance yes. rather than the freedom that Christ came to set us free with. So grace, you mentioned grace. And I want to go to um, the passage that you had suggested we look at and just read a portion of it from Ephesians 2 and then kind of unpack that grace as 
the antidote for the chaos. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay, so I'm in the NLT translation, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, which we come back to again and again. And I always say this, if God takes us back to a passage, it means there's more to learn. (laughs) So uh, uh, verse 4 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even when we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can go do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love that version of it. Me too. I'm a huge fan of the NLT. (laughs) And probably because I used to read NIV, and so it makes me stop. Mm-hmm. and see the differences because the good works versus the good things i think that's the change and it what's the word in um the niv for masterpiece is it handy it says work? workmanship i workmanship. think or, yeah yeah so i've i've shared this before that word um comes from the great uh greek word poema you probably mm-hmm. know this right mm-hmm. and i just always think that's you know how neat that we are a poem from god and I took poetry in college as a requirement in my English degree and barely bombed every poetry class that was required to take. I could never get it. And I just think it's a beautiful example of how we're not going to get each other, but the mm-hmm. master gets us. Mm-hmm. So, so what does this have to do with a Martha's life? Well, I think realizing that it's not you know, our merit or our good deeds that saves us. I mean, that's where it starts, right? That it's this gift for us to receive. And here's the thing. I think as Martha's, we were such try hard girls, which can be, like I said, admirable, but it can also be a weakness Mm -hmm. that it can be hard for us to receive, but God can help us do it. You know, so Mm -hmm. many times I'll be like, well, I'm just going to work harder to receive. Well, which is so silly because it's like in and of myself, I can't do that. Right. Apart from him, we have no good thing. And so if you're struggling with some of this, ask him to help. Like, I feel like several times God's impressed upon me. Oh, good. Now we can get somewhere. He's just waiting for me to ask, you know, for his help because I try to do things so much on my own strength and my own sufficiency. So that's the first place we start is to receive this gift he's given us, but then also to realize he's wired us this way on purpose. This isn't something that we have to like shed the skin of our efficiency or all of a sudden, you know, just easily have these two hour quiet times or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. to embrace, he has made us to get things done, to be doers. And that's a good thing indeed, but we don't have to overdo it to be worthy. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. serving from that place of peace instead of panic. And when God help me understand this, all of a sudden my brain fog cleared. Mm -hmm. I felt my shoulders were not so tense. And I'm like, oh my goodness, 
but I felt a little lost because it was yes. like, if I don't have to like strive and do all this to prove myself, I mean, I know God has good works for me to do, but it felt light. It felt easy. Like he talks about, you know, yes. his yoke easy, his burden is light, but I felt a little disoriented because yeah. it was like, well, I've been doing all these things to try to be holy now that I'm just kind of following his lead and I don't have all kind of these things to hold on to, it felt like I was a toddler again, mm. like learning how to walk. And a mentor said to me, she said, Katie, toddlers don't walk perfectly at first, right? They learn how, and God's not expecting you to get this grace thing down perfectly, Mm-mm. which it was the irony of, I need his grace because I'm not perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I just think so many of us that are made like Martha are so hard on ourselves, yeah. harder on ourselves than God is because if Christ is in us, that's what God sees is that perfection. He's yeah. pleased with us in Christ, not because we're being flawless in and of ourselves. So good. You you paint a picture and I, I want to share a story, which I think will give all the Martha's hope for the glory of change. Because sometimes I think the challenge is, well, if I have to change that critical spirit, if I have to be different, if I have to respond differently then that means what I've been doing all along is wrong. And there's there's some condemnation that could kind of creep in that way. And guilt can like destroy the work that God is trying to accomplish. So um, about six weeks or so ago, I got some uh, unexpected, what I would call like professionally crushing news. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't the direction I thought things were going in. But it was right in the face of an opportunity to serve God in ministry in two really beautifully appointed opportunities. I mean, I didn't go looking for them. God, they gave them to me. They were very much redemption stories of opportunities. So I came away from those two serving times um, in in doing what's in my wheelhouse, um, meaning teaching the Word of God, speaking, loving, listening, mentoring, all that. Uh, And the Lord just spoke to me through all of these things. There was no striving in any of it because Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing it to please the approval of anyone or anything other than him in the wake of what felt like a personal rejection and failure. And in the weeks that followed, I I had this real clarity from God of like, you have not trusted me as your provider. Mm. You have trusted in X, Y, and Z as the providers. Now, yes, I've given you those things to financially stream income into your bank account. Those are tools I, God, use. Those are not your gods. They Mm. don't get to tell you what to do. I tell you what to do. And I was like, wow, well, if you tell me what to do, Lord, we got a different way to operate now. You know, it was, it was so freeing because Mm. the fear of criticism kind of went away. Fear of failure dropped off. Fear of like, what would people say about me dropped off. And I started letting go of all of the um, professional wise, you have to's. Mm hmm. And by doing so, I, I ended up creating a whole lot more margin space in my life to do the want-tos. And the mm. want-tos are to walk out of my lovely she shed and close the door and not come back in until Monday morning because I love this place, but it's work. 
Right. And uh, this past weekend, I ended up going to Luke's baseball game and sat there for an hour and a half, even though I was sick, because I just wanted to be present for him. And I'm like, if I'm sick, I'm sick. If I'm sick this week, oh, well, I'm going to cancel my appointments. I'm not missing my boy's game. Right. And, And his appreciation, verbal appreciation back to me for being there. Then I came home and I I decided I'm going to watercolor. And I sat at the kitchen table that was already covered with papers. The kitchen was a mess. There were four baskets of laundry needed to be folded. I had plenty of work I could have gone to do. It was a Saturday, so I didn't necessarily have to struggle with Sabbath. You know, should I or shouldn't I? Yeah. Um, And I sat down and I put on worship music and I hand-lettered and watercolored. And Katie came in and she goes, Mom... I've not seen you this restful and content and peaceful with a smile on your face in a long time. Mm. And I said, I got the monkeys off my back, Katie. And Mm. she's like, well, they need to stay off your back, mom. Oh, wow. Right. So it makes me cry in one hand because I'm so bummed for how many years I've lived with the monkeys Mm. as cute and darling as they could be in real life. They're not fun when they're on your back. Right. Right. But on the other hand, even though there's like a a guilt remorse thing that I have to work through with God, and I think it's a godly sorrow, not like a condemnation guilt. Mm -hmm. There is the delight in knowing that I'm modeling for my children that we have the ability to do things differently. Right. Well, I think what's so beautiful about that story is you're still made like Martha, right? Yes. You still like to relax. You were doing something. Yes. Right? Yes. But this woman, it reminds me of the story too. This woman came up to me after a speaking engagement and she said this so nicely. Like I'm saying it through my filter, so it might not sound as nice, but she said to me, you know, you are so good at what you do. She said, but you don't have to strive within your calling. Mm. And, you know, I had stopped striving in a lot of areas. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But my calling, you know, writing and speaking, doing these things, I was still striving within it. Yes. And she said, you don't have to do that. Like, and I think it was back to that hired help mentality. I think in my mind, like, well, if I don't do these things, it could be taken away. But that's not like God's heart, right? No. That he entrusts us with things. For our good, and yes, we want to be a good steward of it, but being a good steward is different than grabbing for something because we're afraid we're going to lose it, or it's what, like you said, everyone else thinks, you know, we should do. And I think that's where that discernment comes in of like, you know, God, help me see, you know, there's a time for everything, right? A time to work, a time to rest. But I think the thing that Martha's need to hear is it's okay to be a Martha, but we don't have to live worried and distracted. Yeah. But yeah. we can still be women that get things done, but we can do so with this grace and this discernment that is attractive to people, doesn't repel them or make them like my family sometimes will like run when I start saying, hey, let's change the living room around. And they're just you like, too? What? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's a vibrant, is that a Martha symptom, a constant no, no. rearrangement? Because you could always see how it could work better. Right. That's right. Oh, how funny. Katie, we really are like sisters from different mothers, I think. That is hysterical. We, I had a friend come into the house for a small group, and he's like, a blind man would never make it in your home. Like, 
<laughs> and I was like, I know, I just see, I see opportunities at every turn That's for right. something better, but the better, and I, I think it's worth saying, Mary's better was because she trusted Jesus in that moment. Would right. you say that's the heart of it? Yeah, she. I think she knew who he was and who she was in light of him. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that she knew that she could rest, whether that be physically or for Martha, like I said, the invitation to rest on the inside, to not have that churning and that striving, or like you said, those monkeys on your back. Yeah. That whether we sit or we stand or we rest, whatever we do, having that settledness within. And yeah. sometimes that manifests itself outwardly, right? Yeah. That you have your feet up. I mean, my husband and I, every Wednesday, we put our feet up in the hammock or by the fire, you know, yeah. to physically rest. But there's other things that can be restful, like the painting with watercolor, you know, yeah. or serving a meal for guests, like yeah. to serve in that way. And I love in, I think it's John 12, we see, you know, Lazarus has now been raised. Yep. They're having Passover. Lazarus, Lazarus is reclining on Jesus, you know, showing rest, trust. And Martha is serving mm-hmm. again. But yeah. he doesn't call her out this time, does he? No. And so I think she's serving then. She was worship worshiping as she worked. And then after that, we see this beautiful display of Mary just pouring out her love in her way and worshiping. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's these three siblings give us a picture of like, wow, loving and serving God can look different for different people. Mm-hmm. One's not better, worse, you know, whatever, but it's, is it genuine love for the Lord in the way that he's made us and honoring him, whatever we put our mm-hmm. hands to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we turn to wrap up here, the thought that I'm, I'm imagining our listeners wondering like, well, how do I know? How, how do I know? And you might have an idea on this. I have one um, from my own experience, which is out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we hear that criticism of ourselves or criticism of other people and the, the huffy puffy, like I, I did this, I did that. I don't know why they don't do this and why they don't do that. I would say that's like a barometer test on motive and whether or not we're resting in God's grace and provisions or if we're striving, what, what would you say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of it can come from not understanding God's love. You know, like Mm -hmm. if I understand how loved I am, I want to be more loving to other people. But if I'm feeling like, you know, that I'm not, but here's the beautiful part of it. You know, God wants, as any parent, Mm -hmm. he wants what's best for us. So he wants us to serve from that place of peace. But even when we're serving from that place of panic Mm -hmm. or angst, we are just as loved. And I think that's the piece I was missing, that he loves me on my worst day. He loves me when I don't get the to-do list done. He loves me even if I don't have my quiet time. Now, having a quiet time can be beneficial, but it's not what makes me more attractive to the lover of my soul. That was already settled and done. And I think that's the freedom for women that are made like Martha to know I am loved regardless. Whether I cook a seven-course meal whether we call out for takeout, whether I huff out of the kitchen. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, like, it's not an excuse to do those things, but it's to realize his love is settled, period. Yeah. 
So I got this uh, tattoo on my foot to celebrate my 45th birthday in combination with 25 years since I gave my life to the Lord, or I should say that he rescued me from myself. <laughs> and I, I initially thought I was going to get the word beautiful because um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. I mean, that's been something that's been part of my story. And then I talked myself out of it because the foot's supposed to be the most painful place to get a tattoo. Uh-huh. And then as time was approaching, I was praying about this, like, God, this is a once and done. So I, this better be the right word or I'm not getting it. And uh, what he has taught me really through difficulty is this word beloved, that I have been his beloved all along, but I have not lived like it. Mm. And years ago, actually, when I was writing Meet the New You, he gave me Colossians 3.3 3, to live as, God chose, as God's chosen, holy, dearly loved uh, child. Mm. And I have said this over and over again. This is like my mantra. I asked Katie, I'm like, what do I tell you anytime you're struggling? She goes, I'm chosen, holy, and dearly loved. Like my kids know this is my mantra. And so the chosen part is that we understand that when the whole world rejects us, Christ has already chosen us. Mm-hmm. And the holy part has been something I've done a lot of writing on, not recently, but years ago, and and that we are holy because Christ is holy. And by faith in Christ, we receive a new identity as his holy children and part of the holiness of God. And First Peter talks about be holy because I am holy. And then it's like I have been resisting for 25 years the dearly loved. Mm. Which in the, in the NIV translation, it says beloved. And if you mm. look at the words beloved, it's be loved. Mm. That is so good. And I, as I was preparing to speak at an event, I was typing it up for a, a, the front cover of the presentation. And I, I, it was like, boom, right there in front of me, be loved and be love as my beloved. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so with that, I was like, all right, that's going on the foot. And it is interesting because when I stand at the kitchen sink, I can technically see that down at my foot as I'm going to load the dishwasher Um, that be love, Lisa, now be love. And so I feel like God has been doing this new work in me, which is great news that he's never done. And, and the love piece tying in, I just love that you have tied love into the solution of being a woman who knows how to rest before Mm. God while still being the way God made her. Right. My husband's going to be so happy because I've been on the fence about my tattoo and I think you've convinced me. Well, I will send you the, uh, I'll send it if you want the same font. I mean, it. Well, here's the reason is mine. I want a deer for uh... lots of reasons, but, but then t- like maybe in Hebrew or something have D E A R okay. because he revealed to me, you know, like you're my dear, my delight, oh. that tenderness. But same thing on my foot. So it's like, on hey, foot? We, we can start a new thing, right? Martha's get a tattoo on your foot. But I love what you said of Martha's are often on their feet, right? Yeah. yeah. Doing. Yeah. And to stand confidently, like you said, and how he's made us 
but from that place of love. Oh man, that's so good. It just makes this whole thing even more meaningful to me because I, you know, and I, all along I knew, I mean, I already have a tattoo on my arm, so I didn't want to get one on the other arm because I felt like that's a little excessive. I'm not going to do like a whole tattooing thing. I know people have different opinions. If you're offended by tattoos, I'm sorry, but I'm okay with it. Um, So when we were trying to play with like where I started writing on myself to try to figure out where I wanted it to be, (laughs) I had Sharpie all over the place. For weeks, weeks, and weeks. And Caitlin kept on saying, Mommy, put it on your ankle if the foot's too painful. And I I said, I need to see it. This isn't for anybody else. This is for me. I want to see it from the minute my feet hit the floor in the morning to the last thing before I go to bed at night. I want this. This is my call. Um, and, And so it's interesting that how much it's tied to Martha on her feet. Right. Well, and, you know, not to be, I'm dramatic, so I'm bringing more dramatic to it, but that it was painful, right? So painful. But that that's, it can be painful for Martha's to learn to receive that love, but think about how much pain he went through to prove that love to us. Let me tell you, with every, and I didn't want to over-spiritualize it when I was there getting it done, but it was... Um, I I just kept thinking as the needle was going in, Jesus was pierced with thorns that, and the nails in his hands. Like I had to endure for seconds and he endured for, for eternity for us. Right. I mean, the resurrection he did. He, as my pastor reminds us all the time, he died, but he also rose again. And the fulfillment of his work is that he seats, he is seated at the right hand of the father. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was very powerful for me to remember that afresh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I know. All right. So let's end on a heavy note. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes it's good to just kind of go and sit and think, how has Christ been crucified for you? And and how are you living in his new life that he has given you for his, for his glory? Right. Yeah, and just the sacrifice of what he did so we weren't slaves to sin, but that we could be free daughters. Yeah. And how many of us, you know, I think about the verse in Galatians, I think it's Galatians 5, 1, you know, don't let yourself be burdened again by that yoke of slavery that like he took that for us. But so many of us keep trying to go back and put it back on and prove that we were worthy of it, you know? Yeah. Good. So Katie, would you uh, close us in prayer and then we'll remind everyone where they can find you and continue to learn from you. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. Dear Lord, I just lift up every person listening, whether they identify more like Martha or Mary, may they know that in you, if they have faith in you, that you lived a pure life, died for their sins, rose again. If they've received that, then their beloved daughters, their position in your heart is secure whether they're working or sitting or resting or whether they're experiencing chronic illness, Lord, 
You require us to serve you with the strength you provide, not the strength we wish we had. And so, God, would you free us to live on this side of grace, on this side of the cross, to stand tall, not puffing ourselves up, but knowing how beloved we are. Would you help us to be able to receive from you, not just do for you? And would you help us, Lord, when we face busy seasons and busy days, May we remember that our worth doesn't come from having this picture-perfect quiet time, Lord, but it comes from what you've done on behalf of us and help us to live and honor you because we're just so thankful for how much you love us. Thank you that you have prepared good works for us to do. Help us to do those as unto you and to remember that even on our worst days, we are your beloved Not because we're so great, Lord, but because you are and you have chosen us. You've set us apart and you've loved us with the love we can't even imagine. But would you help us just get a glimpse today of what that love looks like? Help it to go a little deeper and then may we receive it and then extend it, your grace and your love to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tell us where we can find you. Well, katiemreed.com. It's R-E-I-D. Or also on Facebook, just search Katie M. Reed. On Instagram and Twitter, it's Katie underscore M underscore Reed. Would love to connect awesome. and encourage you guys. Yeah. you. I love following everything that you're doing. It's always encouraging. Always. Well, thank always you real so much. And always encouraging. So thank you everyone for uh, listening to the More To Be podcast. We're so grateful that you were here with us today. We're praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time. If you would like to support our ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be tribe member. You'll get access to a library of life application studies, worksheets, audio recordings, video teachings, and exclusive resources added each month. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link in a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.